angry, 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 angry at arthritis. So, you got an osteoarthritis diagnosis. Well, hello there, and welcome to Angry at Arthritis. My name is Steve O'Keefe, and let me qualify that introduction. For God's sake, I sounded like a game show host. Welcome is, in fact, a terrible word choice, because arthritis is an awful disease. So perhaps I should have said, commiserations if you're listening to this, because arthritis, to use an American word, well, it sucks. What do you mean there's no cure? Angry at arthritis. Yes, that about says it. I did consider some cute pun on arthritis, but I figured it's better to call it what it is. I'm a patient and I'm very angry about this condition and the fact that there's no bloody cure. It's just not good enough and it needs to change. So, yes, this condition sucks. So that's why angry at arthritis is in fact all about hope and finding a path forward. This is the patient's guide to arthritis that I wanted as a patient. And importantly, it's all about the quest for cures beyond joint replacements. Yes, cures. Angry at arthritis is all about providing you access to the science that's lighting the way forward to provide cures. So who the hell am I? Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a PhD researcher. I'm a 56-year-old arthritis sufferer who quit biology at 15 and finds himself with a lot of time on his hands. And I'm a person who doesn't do well taking no for an answer. I never thought, honestly, that I would know anything about arthritis. And like you, I wish I didn't today, but here we are. When I found out I had arthritis, I was in shock. I felt alone, and honestly, I felt depressed. Like you, I do not want joint replacements. And I do not want to accept the passive waiting game that can be a slippery slope to eventual joint replacements as the disease progresses. What I want is my old life back. So I wanted to know more about the disease. How did this happen to me, and what could I do to fix it? I wanted to talk to and learn from the best research and clinical minds in arthritis, but that was not possible. I left the orthopedist's office in shock with my diagnosis, and I'm afraid it was me and the Google against the world. So I made it my life to get smarter and make the right connections. I did tens of thousands of Google searches and read literally hundreds of research papers. I learned all about cytokines, chondrocytes, SASPs, synovium, senescent cells, and indeed much more wonky biology stuff. And I opened up my checkbook and I flew all over the world to meet with the leading minds in the field and build critical relationships with the experts on the front line on the battle on osteoarthritis. I placed a very special focus on groups that bring research and clinical together. Research is nice, but I'm looking for real treatments that can deliver cures now or in the near term. And I'm serving all of that up to you, the patient, so you don't have to do what I did. I hope that you find it useful, and I hope that you share back, because after all, all of us are smarter than any of us. 
I'm also providing a way for you to take action in supporting new innovative treatments that are currently in development and get smarter about current and upcoming clinical trials. We're taking aim at the feeling of helplessness and giving you a path to make a real difference. Angry at Arthritis is the platform for you to help fund osteoarthritis research and treatments. And I've started the ball rolling myself with a $100,000 contribution. We're also focused on advocating for additional funding for osteoarthritis research from the US federal government and increasing accountability and transparency for the money the US federal government invests today. What are we accomplishing and how do we move faster? I referenced it earlier, but let me say it again more clearly. Angry at Arthritis is solely focused on osteoarthritis. That's the non-systemic, non-inflammatory kind although that's a longer conversation for a later podcast. Rheumatoid and psoriatic arthritis, as well as lupus, are indeed terrible diseases. But osteoarthritis dwarfs these, and it's the only one without an effective treatment or cure, other than, of course, the dreaded joint replacements. In this opening podcast, I'll talk to you about my arthritis journey, my experiences, learnings, meetings with experts, and dumpster dive into the research. As I said, it all started with me sitting alone with Google. And that's not fair to any patient. I'll also provide a preview of the upcoming Angry at Arthritis podcast, where I interview leading osteoarthritis research and clinical experts from the US and around the globe to give you direct access to the science and leading edge arthritis treatments. A quick shout out to David Sinclair and Andrew Huberman for their inspiration in bringing science direct to the consumer. I was hoping that Huberman would cover arthritis, but he didn't. So here we are. Okay, so let's start with that alone at your osteoarthritis diagnosis. Well, you certainly ain't alone, I'm afraid. One in seven American adults suffers from osteoarthritis. That's more than 32 million people in America. And Data Monitor tells us worldwide in 2022, 561 million people suffered with osteoarthritis of the knee or hip. And we are a nation out of joint. Each year, 790,000 Americans get knee replacements and 470,000 get hip replacements. Let's take a glimpse at a tiny part of the dollars and cents here. Each year, Osteoarthritis patients rack up $65 billion in medical costs. Americans give up $71 billion in lost earnings due to this terrible disease. And those numbers are projected to skyrocket in coming years as the population ages. Again, back to Data Monitor, which projects global cases of osteoarthritis to hit $657 million by 2030. Okay, so here's my story. If you're interested, you can see a timeline of my osteoarthritis journey on the website. As I said, I'm 56. I'm six feet tall, and today I weigh 180 pounds. I've lost about 15 pounds of muscle since my osteoarthritis diagnosis 18 months ago. I've had to modify my workouts. No more heavy lifting, although I do really miss that intensity, but I cannot afford to inflict additional damage. As an ectomorph, that's the body type that tends to be skinny. Losing that muscle mass is infuriating because it takes 
people like me, a long time to build muscle. And all the health gurus recommend that we build muscle mass to stay active and healthy in our later years. I recently retired from a 30-year career in tech marketing and publishing, so no occupational heavy lifting. I'm not a stonemason. I did not operate a jackhammer. As a professional, I sat for a living. I did not have a history of significant injuries in each of the joints where I have arthritis. Interestingly, a series of orthopedists who looked at my elbow MRIs asked me if I had been in a motorcycle accident, which mercifully, I have not. Osteoarthritis that follows in a joint after a significant injury is referred to as post-traumatic osteoarthritis, or PTOA. A lot of folks that have ACL knee surgery eventually develop osteoarthritis. We'll cover PTOA extensively in an upcoming podcast, but that does not explain why I have osteoarthritis. I live in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C. I've always led a very active lifestyle, engaging in many sports as a kid, and I started to work out regularly 17 years ago, lifting weights, running, and swimming. I eat a healthy, balanced Mediterranean diet, and I drink lots and lots of water. I was following all the right playbooks to ensure a long, healthy, active life, and I was looking forward to my retirement, riding motorcycles across the Sahara and climbing the pyramids in Egypt, the kind of Tarzan stuff I trained for years to pull off. I was stronger at 53 than at any point in my whole life. I experienced some pain in both elbows in November of 2020. We were all settled in at home to ride out the pandemic. Let me say I upped the intensity of my workouts during the home alone period. Nothing else to do and a good way to deal with stress. But let me be clear. We're not talking about the world's strongest man here. Running three miles, a couple, three times a week, bench pressing 230 pounds, squatting 250 pounds, and shoulder pressing 140 pounds. Anyhow, back to November 2020. I went to see an orthopedist to get a read on my elbow pain. They did an x-ray, all good. I was advised to continue to work out. The pain continued and I started to hear a clicking sound in my elbows. So I went to my primary care doctor for a second opinion. He assured me that it was nothing, likely a mouse, a loose bone fragment in the joint. He suggested that I wear forearm braces when lifting to deal with the tennis and golf elbow, you know, the kind of thing you buy at Walgreens, which I did, and they took care of the pain that I experienced while lifting. My primary care doctor referred me to another orthopedist to get a second opinion in January of 2021. He also took x-rays. The doctor told me I had minor degeneration. I shrugged. Didn't mean much to me. I asked him if it was anything serious, and he said no. I asked him if I should continue to work out, and he said absolutely. So work out I did. He did send me to a physiotherapist, and she advised me that I had a snapping radial head tendon and prescribed the series of exercises, which I adhere to religiously. However, the cracking persisted. Fast forward to August of that year, I was bench pressing in the gym. In addition to the customary clicking, I heard an awful tearing sound from my left elbow, but no pain. I put the weights down and went to see a third orthopedist who sent me for ultrasound imaging. When I followed up for the results, that office said the damage was more than they had expected and referred me back to the orthopedist that I'd seen in November of 2020. 
I figured I'd be looking at some minor surgery to remove those mouse bone fragments. I walked into the orthopedist's office in September of 2021, and I walked into a propeller. He did new x-rays, then he sat me down for 10 minutes and told me that I had very significant arthritis in both elbows, radial capitellum, and that I would never again do a push-up or a pull-up. He was the first one to use the A word. I had arthritis. I couldn't get arthritis. In fact, it was a condition I'd spent my whole life working hard to avoid. My father didn't have osteoarthritis, and he was almost 80. The orthopedist then told me that elbow joint replacements are the worst. So bad, in fact, that he will no longer perform the surgery. They last about five years, and with them, you can only lift about five pounds. Ironically, the orthopedist's comforting part in shot was, just be grateful you don't have it in weight-bearing joints like knees or hips. As I drove home, my head was spinning, and I felt nauseous. Candidly, I felt a lot of anger. How had this arthritis managed to creep up on me? I'd seen all the doctors, worked with a physiotherapist and a personal trainer for 17 years. I felt let down by all of them. As I followed up with various doctors, they told me that degeneration is another term for arthritis. Why not bloody tell patients that? Well, we don't want to scare patients and we don't want them to give up their regular routines. I was astonished and very angry. A couple of days later, I went for a long drive and I screamed in the car. How had this happened to me? How could there be no way out? I knew that I would find a way. This is where I'm afraid it goes from bad to worse. I shifted my workouts in the couple of weeks since my diagnosis, focusing on legs and running. I asked my primary care doctor to write me a script for x-rays of my major joints, knees, hips, and shoulders. The orthopedists recommended against this, but to hell with them. Given my experience with the elbows, I wanted to rule out any other creeping joint issues. I stood cockily in front of the x-ray tech. Other than the elbows, I felt in the prime of life. When I called my doctor for the results, he told me that I had arthritis in all joints on both sides. He told me that this was very rare, and of course, my despair reached new depths. This wasn't going to be about curing the elbows. It was systemic. How could this wear and tear disease that happens to people over decades happen to me all at once in so many joints? Next stop, I went to see a rheumatologist to rule out inflammatory arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, or lupus. He performed the ANA test, anti-nuclear antibody for those scoring at home. I came in at a 1 to 160 ANA, very marginal positive. I have osteoarthritis. We'll get to rheumatologists in an upcoming podcast. So from there, I headed on to the next doctor in search of a cure or treatment. I had a friend that worked at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, and I was lucky enough to get an appointment with the esteemed National Institute of Arthritis and Muscular, Skeletal, and Skin, or NINES, at NIH. I had great hopes. I spent a lot of time pulling together my complete medical record, not an easy undertaking, into a concertina file full of MRI discs, paper reports. Regrettably, I was singularly disappointed with the experience. I was seen by a very junior research assistant who had completely decomposed my medical records concertina folder into handfuls of paper that he pulled from the pockets 
of his white coat at random while telling me that I had osteoarthritis and there was nothing that he or medical science could do for me. He rendered this opinion with his trouser fly wide open, which did nothing to increase my level of confidence in his competence. Nimes was a complete zero. No inflammatory arthritis, no interest. Memory serves, Nimes cautioned me about the dangers of offshore stem cell treatments, suggesting the procedure could cause cancer, but they gave me no alternatives. So quack or cancer, I turned my attention hard to stem cell treatments. I shared my elbow MRIs with the German clinic in Cologne and Regenix, the group that operates out of the Caymans. The Germans said there was nothing that they could do for me. My elbows were too far gone. I was, of course, disappointed. I took a Zoom call with the Regenix doc in Colorado that wanted to stem cell my joints. I'll get into stem cell adventures in the Cayman Islands in an upcoming podcast. But for here, I'll say this. It was expensive, $39,000 to treat elbows and knees. It was painful. Whatever you do, don't sign up for treatments in four joints and fly home the next day. And it did not work. That bears repeating. It did not work. And it left me hobbled for about eight weeks. Upside, I'm guessing the cancer concerns are overblown, at least so far. A lot more here, so be sure to listen to the podcast on stem cells. Let me pause here to put out an APB. If there is any patient out there that has had success with Regenix, or for that matter, any other stem cell treatment in regrowing cartilage, let me say that again, in regrowing cartilage, please reach out to me and let me know. Maybe it works for some folks. I'd love to feature you on that stem cell podcast. We're all looking for real cures. Pushing away from the Caymans, I continued my quest to find a cure by researching and connecting with experts in arthritis science. And folks at major universities and associations seem to be making progress in developing cures for osteoarthritis. I read mountains of academic papers and, yes, Googled the terminology so I could understand what they were saying, what it was try to. I sent hundreds of emails to various researchers at .edu addresses. And they went to bed with fingers and toes crossed, hoping that I would get a response. I must say I was amazed at the generosity of the research clinical community, how these busy, highly qualified PhDs gave their time to a dummy patient like me. I'm still not sure, and I will be eternally grateful for that generosity. I started my research investigative journey with a conversation with Dr. Jennifer Eliseev, at Johns Hopkins University. Jennifer comes at the osteoarthritis challenge from a different perspective. Her regenerative immunology approach focuses on reprogramming the body to heal itself. This takes us to senolytics, an exciting new class of drugs that kill degenerative cells in the joint and promise to unleash our immune systems to regenerate our cartilage ourselves. Jennifer created the original recipe for the first senolytic osteoarthritis drug, UBX0101. She talked to me about the role of aging cells a full year before I'd even heard of David Sinclair. 
I knew that Jennifer and I would get along well because we have the same crazy number of E's and F's in our last name. Next, I connected with Dr. Ivan Martin at the University of Basel, Switzerland, whose team has grown nasal cartilage in the lab and actually replaced osteoarthritis sufferers cartilage to get them back on the track, literally. I made a donation to Ivan's research and I worked with he and his team to create patient testimonials, which gave me the super valuable opportunity to speak with patients myself to get a sense for the cure in action. I connected with Dr. Ken Gall at Duke University and Sparta Biotech, who's creating artificial cartilage and working to get those products into clinical trials. I connected with Dr. Charles Chan at Stanford University, who's working on a next generation microfracture technique. I'll get into microfracture on an upcoming episode. It's been around for a while, and it's a technique where the surgeon drills into the bone in order to stimulate new cartilage growth. However, historical results have been so-so. Chan and his team at Stanford pioneering a new, better approach. Far more recently, I spoke with Dr. Brad Estes at Cytex Ortho in Durham, North Carolina, and Dr. Celeste Scotti at Novartis. These two have osteoarthritis treatments and drugs in active clinical trials with the FDA. Two very different paths, two very promising approaches. I'll host each of these folks on an upcoming podcast so you can learn what they're up to for yourself. Consumer direct to science in action. Just what I wanted when I got my osteoarthritis diagnosis. I also had the very good fortune to connect with Dr. Jason Kim, the head of osteoarthritis research at the Arthritis Foundation. Jason has been a fantastic resource in helping me navigate the research in the osteoarthritis space. And I'm sincerely grateful for all the generous introductions he has made for me into the arthritis research and clinical worlds. And it was Jason who first gave me the idea of doing an osteoarthritis podcast for regular patients. And Jason will join me on the next podcast, talking to the ABCs of osteoarthritis. So thanks again, Jason. I spoke with Dr. David Hunter, a very smart Australian rheumatologist who hosts a podcast for arthritis experts. It's called Joint Action. In fact, I appeared as a guest on an episode of Joint Action. The podcast is great, but it's targeted to researchers and doctors. So it can be tough for patients who don't speak the lingo. It was this experience and Jason's urging that led me to create this podcast series for patients. David introduced me to the concept of D-modes, disease-modifying osteoarthritis drugs. These are the pharmaceutical drugs in development that are supposed to cure osteoarthritis. Eureka, I thought. This was a revelation, and I'm not overstating the case. I'd seen the corona of cures from my random Google groping in the dark, Spreferman, UBXO101, and the like. However, that euphoria was short-lived. David's paper lays out the various drugs that have tried and failed. Finding a cure is certainly not an easy lift. That said, it also showed me the drugs currently in clinical trials. Not sure why David's paper doesn't just pop up on Google when you Google cures for osteoarthritis. It's available on our site under resources, and I would recommend you read it. To get to a good bit, there is a drug that's currently in phase 2B FDA accelerated approval cycle. I referenced this obliquely earlier. The drug 
is in development from Swiss pharma giant Novartis and is called LNA043. You may have noticed that they come up with very catchy names for these products when they're being approved, UBX0101, LNA043. Well, sir, it's certainly not a slam dunk, and it's not going to be available even if it does work for a good few years. I hope to host Celesti Scotti from Novartis on a future podcast to talk about LNA043 and the other four D modes Novartis currently has in development. Novartis is head and shoulders the leading pharma company in the osteoarthritis cure business. As I socialized David's D-mode paper with experts, I gained insight into the food fight that is the FDA D-mode clinical trial process. You see, there's significant debate in the osteoarthritis research community over whether the drugs that failed clinical trials do actually work, but not for all people. No, don't adjust your wireless set. Let me say that again. There's significant debate in the osteoarthritis research community over whether drugs that have failed clinical trials do actually work, but not for everybody. Okay, strap in here. This is going to be a bit of a bumpy and confusing ride. The experts I've spoken with introduced me to a wild concept, the notion of the phenotype. You see, different people with osteoarthritis fall into different categories based on your gender, body type, body mass index, age, joint where you have osteoarthritis, etc. Those categories are called phenotypes. This blew my mind. I call this my phenopiphany. You see, Osteoarthritis is in fact not one disease. It's a series of diseases that afflicts different phenotypes differently. Men, women, old people, young people, skinny people, overweight people, you get the gist. So a drug that may work for certain phenotypes will not work for other phenotypes. We'll get into this in more detail on an upcoming podcast on phenotypes. But the short version here is that the clinical trials will not work unless the people in the trial are of one phenotype. For example, less than 60. Perfectly good drugs may have failed out due to poorly constructed clinical trials. Aha, aha, I hear you say. The next logical question you're going to ask, okay, if that's the case, can I try some of the drugs that were proved safe in clinical trials but didn't show sufficient effectiveness in regrowing cartilage within the sample audience within that clinical trial. Perhaps they'll work within the right phenotype. Can I try the safe drugs that didn't work for some folks, but might work for me? You may have run across spreferman, which actually did regrow cartilage. Now, that is a question for the FDA. I've learned that after a series of spectacular and expensive failures, Big Pharma has mostly run away from osteoarthritis. Who can blame them? But that doesn't help us much. So in the next step in my journey, I met with a group of venture capitalists who are looking to take a phenotype-centric precision medicine approach in order to create a venture capital investment fund focused purely on osteoarthritis. They're bringing together experts from around the world to find, vet, and invest 
in osteoarthritis startups that have a potential to crack this terrible disease. So I signed up to work with them as a volunteer. What better way to get smarter and gain insight into new budding cures ahead of the marketplace? I'm learning every day by staying in the loop with the leading experts. A couple more important chapters in my osteoarthritis odyssey before I write it today. I hopped a plane to visit Ivan Martin and his team at Basel University in Switzerland. Great to visit the lab and meet the scientists and surgeons. I liked Ivan, Anka, and Marcus over Zoom. I liked them more in person. Smart, ethical, innovative, and optimistic. They're rolling out their treatment, known as Entech, moving from clinical trials in the knee to address other joints, shoulder, ankle, and yes, you guessed it, elbow. Initially, they'd hoped to get to elbows in 2023. I shared my elbow MRIs, and they felt strongly that they could help. However, they pushed the joint until 2024, and will proceed with elbows based on success in the patellofemoral knee joint. So elbows, yes, that's me. Fingers, toes, and elbows crossed. In January of this year, I visited Dr. Richard Loser, who heads the Thurston Arthritis Center at UNC Chapel Hill. Richard and his team of dedicated researchers and clinicians are leading the charge on multi-joint osteoarthritis, as well as other stripes of the disease. Research and clinical together, I love that combination. Richard has asked me to sit on the board of the Thurston Arthritis Center. A special shout out to Dr. Brian Pietra-Simone for his generosity hosting me at UNC Chapel Hill. And congratulations to you and your family on your new son. In February, I spoke at the Arthritis Foundation Conference on Hip Osteoarthritis at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York City. Jason Kim and the Arthritis Foundation, thank you for the opportunity to contribute and to learn from your expert faculty, folks like Dr. Virginia Krauss and Dr. Nancy Lanes et al. At that conference, I told the gathered researchers and doctors that the most powerful force in the quest to cure osteoarthritis is not them. It is in fact the patients that will advocate and fund the cure. Today, Angry at Arthritis is working with the Arthritis Foundation and the American College of Rheumatologists on a DC Capitol Hill event on May the 11th, a program that will bring together and showcase leaders from around the world that are delivering real treatments for osteoarthritis today, many of them in clinical trials. We plan to show congressional leaders and the national media that osteoarthritis is anything but a lost cause. We plan to shake up the sleepy failing status quo in the osteoarthritis space. Please join us in DC on May the 11th. It's an open meeting. Your chance to hear from many of those leading experts blazing the trail for a cure to osteoarthritis, including Dr. Ivan Martin, Dr. Brad Estes, Dr. Jennifer Eliseyev, and perhaps Celesti Scotti from Novartis. So where am I today in my search for a cure? Or putting the cart behind the horse, a clear diagnosis as to why I have osteoarthritis. Well, I'm afraid that I've surfaced more questions than answers. I still have no clear answer on why. Frustrating after 18 months of investigations with the leading experts around the world. Unsatisfying as it is, I think we just need to let that go and try to focus on treatments. If I had to speculate, I'd say for me, it's a combination of rubbish quality cartilage, genetics, 
and wear and tear over the years. I've had experts tell me that osteoarthritis is not a wear and tear disease, but I've been given no better explanation. And I know that I work my body very hard. That said, I'm a whole lot smarter about the disease. I'm hopeful about the potential to get Entech to replace the cartilage in my elbows next year. And I'm grounded, but excited about many of the potential osteoarthritis treatments and cures on the horizon. Data Monitor is tracking 39 osteoarthritis drugs in the approval pipeline, eight in phase one, 20 in phase two, 11 in phase three. The Osteoarthritis Venture Fund is tracking over 400 organizations working on osteoarthritis treatments and cures, so it's not hopeless. Let's look forward. Patients want cures, but we also want to know what it is that we have to do while we're waiting for those cures. Is exercise good or bad for me? What kinds of exercise? Should I trade the elliptical machine for road running? What impact does diet have on osteoarthritis? What should I eat? What about all those bloody supplements? Any of them worth a damn? How does the gastrointestinal tract impact osteoarthritis? What should I know about my microbiome? Well, we'll get to all of that in upcoming podcasts. If you'd like to make a contribution to support emerging osteoarthritis cures, you can do that on our website. Just click the donate button. Angry at Arthritis is your platform to take action to end this terrible disease. You don't have to be a Rockefeller. Those $5 contributions add up. Okay, you made it to the end of episode one. Thank you for listening. Check out the next podcast where I'll be joined by Jason Kim, Director of Osteoarthritis Research at the Arthritis Foundation, who sits at the intersection of everything that's happening in the field. Every researcher, company, and doctor rolling out new treatments comes to brief Jason. We'll explore the ABCs of osteoarthritis. What is osteoarthritis? Why is it so hard to cure? And where are we in terms of treatments and cures? In signing off from our first Angry at Arthritis podcast, we're anything but finished. We're only getting started. Let's not get angry at arthritis. Let's get even. <laughs>